Sonic the Hedgehog. That's his full name. And he's been on the move since 1991, and he doesn't show any signs of stopping. With more than 30 of his own games, multiple television series, several long-running comic series, and appearances in over 100 games, Sonic is, without a doubt, one of the biggest names in gaming history. With the release of Sonic Origins, we at TBM decided it was time to dig into what makes Sonic so special, and whether these 30-year-old games still hold up. My name is Jason Simmons, and I'm joined by my brothers... I'm Jordan Walkup. And I'm Jackson Walkup. Now, let's get into it. Sonic the Hedgehog, y'all. Boy, howdy, I do love this blue blur, even if I am not a fan of some of the blue blurs video games. So before we get into Sonic Origins, let's let's kick it off a little bit with talking about our, our Sonic experiences. So Jackson, you're you're no you're you're new to the Sonic game compared to us. What was like the first Sonic game you ever really played? pretty sure it was sonic adventure 2 which i still have never beat and don't really have plans of it but it was pretty good i mean granted i did probably i don't know how old i was when i last played it definitely pretty young but i bet it still holds up i forgot you weren't on that episode and i was like you were probably the same age you are now (laughs) yeah yeah, that was you probably played it on what the Xbox 360, like not uh, not the original release. I think I might. No, I, I'm pretty sure I played it on the original Xbox. Oh, okay. Because I think that's what we had it for at least. That that tracks. I was I was thinking you probably didn't play it until we got like the digital version on 360. But I guess we did have an Xbox like long after that was. You know, long after that stopped being the newest console on the market. I don't think it was on the original Xbox. Real wrench in the works here. Or, like, he played the GameCube version when you brought it over or something. Yeah, I guess that's possible. I, I feel did, like I played I do, it at a time when you guys were also really into it. Yeah, that's good possibility it was the GameCube version then. That's my whole life. Now, yeah. <laughs> Jackson, have, have you really played, like, any other Sonic games? No, of course not. Okay, that's that's sort of what I was thinking. <laughs> so, okay, Jason, I'll hand it over to you. I'm pretty sure we already answered this on our last Sonic-themed episode, but what was the first Sonic game you ever played? I mean, I do have early memories of playing... I thought it was Sonic 2, or I think I said it was Sonic 2 in like our previous episode, but uh, after playing through this, I realized it was Sonic 3. <laughs> I played a lot of Sonic 3 on the original Genesis. I had the exact same experience, except I thought I had played Sonic 1, when in reality I had played Sonic 2. <laughs> I knew Tails was there, but uh, after playing like through Sonic 3 and like seeing all the stuff, especially in like the first couple of levels, very clear. I might have actually been playing Sonic and Knuckles sometimes, too. Yeah, I would say that was my first experience. First one I ever like really made on my own was probably also Sonic Adventure 2, but much earlier mm-hmm. than when Jackson played it. <laughs> yeah, I I have distinct memories of playing the first world or two of, again, what I thought was Sonic the Hedgehog 1, but turns out was Sonic the Hedgehog 2. I, I distinctly remember playing those first couple of worlds many, many times as a kid. I don't think that i had a sega genesis but i think like i had relatives that did or something where i still was playing it semi-regularly well there was like a collection for the uh the gamecube and stuff like that so yeah there's that as yeah. well yeah i i'm almost sure i played it on a genesis because i distinctly remember disliking the controller immensely and thinking that was why i wasn't very good at it but it turns out sonic the hedgehog is just kind of a tough game (laughs) like especially compared to platformers of the time like you know super mario brothers and donkey kong country which in my opinion still stands head and shoulders above basically every other platformer of any generation yeah it's (laughs) but it's definitely 
unique and i think that does make it like seem difficult because even if you're really into regular platformers you know stuff like mario or donkey kong like sonic doesn't handle the same way as them so it no. can it can definitely be like a challenging experience even if you're really good at them yeah yeah so i think that that's actually a really good segue so i'll just come out right uh, with this uh, a bit here at the beginning Jackson and I didn't have the best experiences with these games. Uh, if you watched our stream a couple weeks ago, you would see that I am very, very bad at Sonic the Hedgehog, and it went very, very poorly because of that. And I admittedly got quite frustrated <laughs> with the game. Uh, I did enjoy it more when I went back and played it after, but it still just... It never like really came together for me. There'd be moments where it was getting there, and then it would kind of kind of drop off. But Jackson, I, I want to sort of pose this to you: What was it about Sonic that made it hard to connect with? I've always just struggled to get into older games, especially platformers. Even even newer platformers, I still am not huge fan of. Like I remember uh, when we did the episode on Metroid Dread, like. I liked it, but still a lot of my problems with that game were with it being a platformer. And then just add in the fact this is an older game, which I, you know, I, when I started getting the gaming is when we had things like, you know, Halo 2. So going back and playing something so much different, that is weird. Because when you guys were young, like, these were still pretty common games. So sure, going back sure. to them is not as uh, weird. <laughs> For you guys. Yeah, I think that that's something I'm seeing with a lot of younger people. Like, even comparing, like, you to Hayden. Like, Hayden is six years old. And, like, the first games he was really exposed to were already 3D platformers. Right. And I think that the little bit that we have tried to play games like... Uh, what was it? We played a little bit of Rayman Legends together, which Rayman Legends is one of my favorite games. Um, he did not care for it. And I thought, like, aesthetically and the style of the game, like, I thought it was going to be right up his alley because he likes very vibrant and colorful and explosive things. But he did not like it at all. And then we jumped over to playing, uh, I think, Super Mario 3D Land, and he clicked with that immediately. And I think the big thing really isn't just about... You know the way it feels or the way it plays or the character or anything i think it is just straight up the fact that when there is that third dimension there is so much more to it and right. going back to just 2d games when you're used to 3d games is a lot harder than going the other way right which it's interesting uh use raymond legends as your example because that's one of the few 2d platformers that i actually do really enjoy i think it does a really good job of being yeah. classic but still being modern in another way <laughs> I think the Rayman games kind of really feel at least somewhat similar to Sonic 3, which, I mean, the, the Sonic games go through like a very, they're very different from one another, at least these early ones. And like Sonic 3, I think is kind of where they really perfected the formula and everything like that. And it, it to me, feels like every physics-based, like momentum-based platformer has been trying to be Sonic 3 <laughs> since it came out. I never got to Sonic 3 playing through these. I just, I had too little fun uh, with 1 and 2 to even get through all of 2. So I'll, I'll eventually try to get to 3, but did not happen. Now, Jason, you know, there's, it's no secret that you like Sonic as a, as a series and as a character you know, quite a bit more than, than the two of us. It, it seems like you have a lot more of a history with the character than we do. So not even just looking at it from Sonic Origins, like as a whole, what kind of makes Sonic such a special character and a game and a world and all that jazz? I mean, I really think, at least for these classic games, the big thing comes down to the momentum-based platforming. Everything is all about... It, like, Sonic, in comparison to Mario, is slow to get going, and from my understanding, has a, he, he's slower, like, even when you're going top speed. But he also has this focus on, you know, like, 
rolling down hills and gaining a lot of speed. And I think that the the levels are definitely designed with branching paths in mind, which I think kind of makes it a more interesting experience because like if you're playing at least any of the, the older Mario games, and honestly, even thinking up until like Galaxy, one real set path through the level. But with Sonic games, like even in Sonic 1, every game has... It's just on a flat 2D plane, but like every level has like a top path and a bottom path. And the higher, there are paths in between, but like the higher you are on that, the faster you're going to be able to go. And the more like challenging obstacles you're going to run into. And I, I think it's just really satisfying to like keep playing through the games. And they're really built for replayability because of that because of that same kind of level design with like the branching paths like you're kind of incentivized to play through each level several times and try to find out how to like stay on the highest path and how to go the fastest and as you play through it like you learn where the obstacles are going to be <laughs> and you can avoid them and just everything kind of compounds onto each other to where it's really hard and slow in the beginning but as you get going and you learn the levels, like it gets really satisfying to get through them very quickly. And I don't really feel like there are a lot of other 2D platformers that kind of scratch that same itch, you know? Yeah, I, I will say, like, even though I, you know, had some issues with the game, I do think that when you do get into that, like, headspace of you're staying on this higher path, you're going as fast as you can... You're, you know, anticipating the enemies and obstacles you're going to face. You're hitting these, you know, crazy rings and spirals and you're doing all sorts of, all sorts of like elaborate moves. Once you're there, the game is like, it feels awesome. Like when you just fly through a level in like 30 seconds, like that feels so cool. And I think that even though it can be really frustrating to get stuck on that lower path where you're having to deal with enemies and situations where you have to stop and wait for something to happen and you're having to do some more backtracking that stuff's frustrating but i think it also does a really good job of sort of showing you what like the incentives for keeping up top keeping moving and you know sort of ex expecting the unexpected can get you <laughs> and i never quite got good enough that that was something i could do without having to replay levels a whole bunch of times but I could definitely see the appeal, you know, on the few levels where I could get my footing fast enough that I could just keep going. And there is certainly no sense of speed like that in any other game from the time. I mean, there's really not any in modern games either when you think about it. And plus, I think like the big focus on momentum creates some like interesting puzzles and stuff. Like a lot of the times you'll come into like a giant U-shaped area and it's not... You know, if you're not familiar with Sonic, it's not immediately obvious what you need to do or the fact that, like, you don't have a speed cap when you're rolling, or at least it's much higher. So if you're rolling down these hills and, you know, like, keeping track of your speed and, like, when the perfect time to jump is, like, you can gain a lot of speed in those U-shaped areas and unlock new paths or even just hidden items and stuff like that. And I, I just think that's really unique. And it feels satisfying to do. Now, I think one thing that even hardcore Sonic fans that, you know, have loved all these games could definitely agree on. There is certainly inconsistencies in the quality between the original Sonic the Hedgehog games. Jason, would you say it, it's fair to just say that they get better with time? <laughs> like, is two better than one? And CD better than two? And three better than CD? Like, is that a fair way to, to summarize it? Well, I mean, I can definitely say no no to part of that, because 2 is better than CD, uh, even though it came out afterwards. CD was kind of published by the same team that made Sonic 1. Like, they split, and one team made Sonic 2, and the other team made Sonic CD. And even though Sonic CD came out afterwards, it's missing a lot of the things that made Sonic 2 so good, and the level design is also very iffy and more reminiscent of Sonic 1, which has, you know, like a lot slower levels. But I, I do feel like 
at, at least in my opinion. I know people disagree. Uh, like, Sonic 3 and Knuckles is a much better game than Sonic 2. And it's... Sonic 2 is much better than Sonic 1. Like, very clearly they're kind of perfecting the formula as they went along. I, I will say, like, the biggest issue with Sonic 1 is they hadn't really figured out what they wanted to do with Sonic. So a lot of the levels, especially kind of like some of the early levels or the water level, are kind of based more around standard platforming. You know, like creating levels that Mario could do as well, or like that would fit better in a Mario game. And I think that those games, or I think Sonic the one, Sonic, yeah, I think Sonic the Hedgehog one really suffers from a lot of times where you just have to stand around and wait, as well as having levels that don't really branch at all. Like the second zone. I, I don't remember. I can't remember what it's called off the top of my head. The the one where there's like lava all over the place. I think it's Labyrinth Zone. Like there's only really one way to go through that level. There are shortcuts and stuff like that, but that just takes you further along the same path. It, it's definitely not satisfying to play a level like that after you've played Sonic 3 and Knuckles where like every level is insane and... You know, like I said, generally the higher path is better, but I think Sonic 3, they really started, like, experimenting a lot more and mixing it to where, like, oh, sometimes the, the bottom path will go to the top and then come back down. So one thing that I think absolutely separates Sonic from his contemporaries <laughs> of the, you know, the early 90s, you know, you compare it to other games in that genre your marios your donkey kongs your mega mans is so like all of those games you know have have wonderful parts about them and have these great worlds and level design and really interesting concepts but one thing that i think sonic got right before any other probably any other game really did was that sonic was without a doubt a bad dude with a tooth. <laughs> <laughs> and you just didn't see that in in other games. And we actually talked about it some on our Sonic Adventure 2 episode about how I thought it was weird that so many people like fell in love with this character that didn't speak, didn't really have any kind of character. But then like going back and playing these games... Sonic has a lot of personality, like, from the get-go. I mean, the way he looks, the way he runs, like, his idol animations, like, everything about him has a lot more personality than any other character in this type of genre and this type of game has really had. And that's something that's really, really cool. They've not done the best job updating and maintaining that, but it was definitely something that was unique for the time. And, like, I, I definitely see why Sonic has sort of a cult following, even from people that don't necessarily love the games. Yeah, like, I would say that I'm a pretty big Sonic fan. Um, I didn't play any of the games between Sonic 2, uh, or, like, Sonic Adventure 2 and Sonic Generations. And I haven't really played any Sonic games since then, except a little bit of Forces, which is hilarious and bad. <laughs> but, like, I still would say generally, like, I like Sonic. I just don't think he's been handled well in the, t in the, the 2000s, if I'm honest. I mean, like, I, I've really only especially enjoyed one Sonic video game, and that was Sonic Adventure 2. And I still, like, look at the world and the characters with a lot of fondness. So Jackson, have you ever watched any of the cartoons slash, well, I know you've seen the two Sonic the Hedgehog live action movies, but have you seen any of like the old animated Sonic stuff? Uh, I've seen a little on like Fox kids or whatever, like the main channel where a lot of cartoons like that would play back then. But I never really like was into them like I enjoyed what I saw, but I was I was more of a teenage mutant ninja turtle type of kid. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're talking about early two thousands teenage mutant ninja turtles cartoons, those were incredible. Amen. 
Yeah. Um, but the but, movies oh. I have seen, I like those. <laughs> yeah, I think the movies are like in a level of in a level of good that doesn't make sense for the source material. Right. <laughs> like they're not fantastic or anything, but they they adapt the characters exceptionally in a way that I did not think they were going to manage, especially with how notoriously bad video game movies are. Yeah, Sonic's come a long way since those cartoons, too. I mean, like, watching, like, Sonic AM or uh, Sonic Underground, like, almost unrecognizable. I actually, now that I think about it, I did used to watch Sonic Underground a lot because I owned a disc of it with only, like, probably six episodes that I would just watch (laughs) over and over again as a kid. Nice. Something I remembered... From uh, from playing Sonic CD, which has uh, uh, Metal Sonic in it, is I I remember way back in the day when I rented a DVD of uh, there was like a Sonic animated movie that came out around then. I don't think it was very long, hmm. like I, I don't think it was like feature length or anything, but it had a really cool race between Sonic and Metal Sonic, and I I do distinctly remember being very excited to get that DVD. <laughs> Now I'm just trying to remember who the green dude from Sonic Underground was. I would say that that DVD is probably one of the only DVDs that I remember, like, renting. From, from like, a, a movie rental store. Like, I, I know <laughs> yeah. I did it quite a bit, but I, that's one of the only ones that, like, sticks out. Redbox doesn't really count. Because that was such a perfect purchase. Like, you know, you rent other movies and, you you know, you're not experiencing them to their fullest. But Sonic Underground, it's going to bring you in. <laughs> Well, it wasn't Sonic Underground. It was it was like its own thing. It wasn't even Sonic AM. Like it, I think it was completely separate. I didn't really watch much of Sonic Underground. I did watch a lot of Sonic X though. Like I would say I've probably seen the majority at least of Sonic X. And that was, you know, before streaming just when it happened to be on TV and stuff. I was so. always really interested in Sonic X, but I never really watched it all that much. I remember we yeah. we tried to get Hayden into it or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And even then, like I I didn't keep watching it. I just stopped. <laughs> no, it does. It doesn't hold up. <laughs> uh, it's goofy in a way that isn't cool. Like Sonic as a character is goofy all the time, but normally it's in a way I can get into. Sonic X, not not so much. <laughs> I think Sonic X kind of captures sonic as a character really well though i don't like his human friends but like i do i do think the sonic in that show is like quintessential what i think of with sonic mostly because he's just really similar to how he was in the adventures game yeah yeah you could tell they had a much more uniform idea of what they wanted sonic to be in like the early 2000s they just couldn't replicate it game to game like they clearly needed to to solidify it in any way I think it was easier to tell what was cool in the early 2000s because like only one or two things were cool at a time. <laughs> but now <laughs> yeah. like with the internet, everyone thinks that something different is cool and yeah. it, it makes it a lot harder to keep up, especially when you're, you know, a 50 year old Japanese man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, It's only a matter. Of, I mean, I kid you not. There was a point on on Twitter and stuff not that long ago after the Sonic Generation, no, Sonic Colors remake came out when there were people trying to argue that Sonic Unleashed deserved a remaster. There were people trying to say that Sonic Unleashed was a game they enjoyed. <laughs> like, I've heard that the Sonic portions of Sonic Unleashed are really good. And I, I've heard some other people try to say that the Werehog parts were good too. Um... But I refuse to believe that. I only played the game once. And it might have just been like a demo or a trial period or something like that. Because I think I only played like four levels and then I had to stop and I never played it again. (laughs) I definitely remember like going to Walmart and playing it in the... You remember when they would have like the demo station set up? (laughs) Yeah. I I remember playing Sonic Generations in a Walmart. And I remember playing Sonic Heroes in a McDonald's. (laughs) Uh, 
Sonic Heroes in a McDonald's is like the quintessential early 2000s <laughs> thing. Like, doesn't get any better than that. Even though there is no Sonic, like, no specific Sonic media that I've always, like, really enjoyed, Sonic as a character is just always been there. <laughs> He's definitely iconic. Yeah. Like, he, he's everywhere. Like, I've never really played any of the games or watched most of the stuff, but, like, I've still grown up with Sonic. For sure. I I think he's iconic, and I think it goes back to what we kind of started this discussion with, with him just being, like, really expressive in these games and, like, having a personality and an attitude. Like, I think, generally, Mario has had significantly better games. Um, maybe not, like significantly better than the old games but at least in like the past 15 years <laughs> every For every sure. mario game has been better than every sonic game give or take yeah. um like i i think that sonic's personality is like a big part of why he remains relevant yeah because like mario he didn't really have one in any of his games even now he doesn't really have that much of one i feel like the I, thing that's always been making you know him such a long-running character is just how enjoyable mario games are and how recognizable he is as a character if casting but... if casting information is anything to go off of then i assume <laughs> that he's very similar to a mix of like garfield and owen from the jurassic park movies <laughs> the, the jurassic world yeah. movies i assume he's just somewhere in the middle mario yeah, yeah. some similarities to andy from parks and recreation <laughs> I guess there was but, the the animated Mario show. Sonic yeah. Mario has a lot of personality in the RPGs, or at least some, but it never yeah. makes its way into the the platformers. Not the way that Sonic does. I mean, like no, no. in Sonic CD, if you don't move for too long, Sonic will just jump off the screen. He he like looks angrily at you and then just jumps off the screen. He's like, I'm I'm leaving. Bye. <laughs> Mario never now, does anything like that. And I, I looked it up before we got recording. It was it was in part of the intro that Sonic has appeared in over a hundred games. And that's actually on the that's that's like a conservative number. Like he has probably been in more like two hundred. I just didn't want to I didn't want to count it up that high because there are like duplicates and things and like game like game re releases and stuff like that. But like only fifty of those Sonic. are the Olympics too, which is pretty Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but like it's crazy to think He's he's been in Smash Brothers. He's been in the Olympics games. He's he's had his own racing games. He's been in other people's racing games. He's he's had two types of racing games: regular racing and hoverboard racing. Well, don't forget about Sonic <laughs> and, R. That was the one oh, where yeah, he ran. Was just, yeah, there was just on foot racing. He's been a pinball. He's been uh let's see he he was the star of a turn-based rpg for some reason he's been trapped in a monkey ball like sonic has been in <laughs> who has everything i wish sonic spinball was in this collection i know like it's not a good sonic game or a good <laughs> a good pinball game but i i do yeah. just unlocking memories here i do distinctly remember playing sonic spinball on the genesis as well oh wow this is a blast from the past Sega Superstars Tennis. This is a game I played an embarrassing amount of. It came with your Xbox. What were you supposed to do? Yeah. I think I also had it on the Wii for some reason. Because I was thinking it was going to play like Wii Sports, and it doesn't. It's uh, pretty good. But yeah, like... I like, I like yeah, all those Sega yeah. games where you could play as characters that, like, are never going to be seen again. Like the, <laughs> yeah. like the guy from Dra uh, Panzer Dragoon. I don't even remember his yeah. name. But he's in at least the car racing one. Or Danica Patrick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, like, I mean, Sonic is everywhere. Everywhere. In series that don't make sense for Sonic to be there sometimes. Like, it's just, it's crazy. And, you know, like, even bigger characters like Mario. Mario might be the only bigger character. But, like, Mario, for example, I know it's partially that Nintendo just is the way they are. But, like... We don't put characters like that in everything, unless it's his own thing. And like, I mean, there was a point when we did. And like, he was the referee in Punch Out for some reason. Yeah, but that was still like a Nintendo first-party game. Yeah. 
But like, I, I don't know. Like, there's just like you can tell with Sonic Team and Sega that even though they struggle to make a good Sonic game these days, there's still a lot of love for the character, and that's just. He has a level of reverence that other video game characters just simply don't have. He has a level of reverence, and I'm going to hit you with this one, that comes from his irreverence. Because, yep. like, if you look at their social media, like, the primary way that Sonic marketing happens these days is making fun of Sonic. For sure. For sure. And it tracks. Like, it always does. Like, Yeah. Yeah. It... <sighs> I don't even know what to what to say about Sonic as a character sometimes. Um, and, like, all this is talking for people that haven't even really, like, read the Archie comics and stuff. Like, I know that that goes buck wild in a way that no other Sonic media does. I know that, like, Sonic steals Tails' robot girlfriend. Or, like, I, Sonic steals Tails' girlfriend and then Tails punches Sonic in the face. And then it turns out that the girlfriend was a robot. They didn't know that yet at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember they get really buff, like that episode of SpongeBob where SpongeBob and Patrick <laughs> fight. That happens yeah. in the comics at one point, too. Yeah. I distinctly remember the buff tails drawing. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I heard a really good point, something I think is really relevant to, to Sonic, uh, a few months ago on another podcast where someone was talking about sort of the insanity of Fortnite and how there's all this, all these crossover content. And basically they said something to the effect of what, what Fortnite does right is that they treat every character with the exact amount of respect they deserve. But they're also self-aware enough to know most video game characters don't deserve that much respect. Like, with, with Sonic and Sega, they know they've made this great character that a lot of people really love, but they also don't take themselves seriously. Like, they're not pretending that they created something brilliant. They know they've just created something fun and cool and stupid and ridiculous, and, like, that's more than enough sometimes. They created something cool and fun and stupid and ridiculous, and they have no idea what to do with it. So, Jackson, you talked a little bit or a little bit earlier about Sonic or Sonic about Rayman Legends. Like, I was one of the few platformers you actually enjoy. Are there like any others that you've really been into? Um, I I really liked the Metroid. I think Samus Returns remake for 3DS a few mm-hmm. years ago. Um, I liked most of Metroid Dread. Still didn't really care for the boss fights, but uh. That's... I would not call Metroid a platformer. <laughs> I mean, it's still like, you know, Metroidvania. 2D, but... like, yeah. But other than that, not really. Like, I mean, I really enjoyed, like, New Super Mario Bros. for the Wii when it came out. You know, when I was, like, seven. Um, mm-hmm. Don't really care for that now. <laughs> Yeah, I liked them probably... when they were new. Looking back, I do not like the new Super Mario Brothers games. I don't like the one for the Wii. I don't like the one for the the Switch. I don't like any of the DS ones. I didn't like the one for the 3DS when it came out, and I don't think I ever even played the ones for the Wii U. I I totally skipped over the 3DS one for a long time, and then tried to go back, which I think was just new Super Mario Brothers two, maybe. I, that sounds right at least. And like, I got like a world and a half in, and I was already like totally burned out on it. And it's, I don't know, I don't really know what was wrong with that game. It was kind of gimmicky, which was weird for for Mario. But, Jackson, what do you think it would take for you to connect with a, with a platformer? I honestly have zero idea. I, I don't know what it is about platformers that I don't really connect with them with. Is it just like the gameplay is less interesting? I guess like you prefer I mean, having something because like a lot of yeah. games have platforming elements. It's like it's the same with like RPG elements where like every game kind of throws them in. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's just the fact that like, you know, I've grown up with games where like platforming in some way is a part of it, but it's not the main part. There's still a lot of other stuff going on while in platformers like Sonic and Mario, the main thing going on is the platforming. <laughs> I, I kind of get that. I, mean, like, I don't necessarily agree with it, but like. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know the best way to explain it or figure out why. 
Something along those lines feels right, though. I mean, I'm not I, criticizing I know it's your like taste, taste or anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I don't feel like uh, I, I still don't feel like 3D platform or 3D platformers have really hit that sweet spot yet, where like at least to me, I think a good 2D platformer is still miles better than like the best 3D platformers. For me, it's kind of weird because one of the first games I can really remember loving was Crash Bandicoot. And I went back and played the original trilogy when it was re-released on PS4, and I still love those games. And, like, they were getting so close to what 3D platformers could be or should be. And then when they came out the other side, they started doing something totally different. Like... They were getting better and better. Like, they were really getting the formula and the feel down pat by, like, Crash Bandicoot 3. But then when we jumped to the PS2 era, they stopped the focus of these tight level design platforming things. And they started to go for more open worlds. And that's how you got games like Jack and Daxter, which is exceptional as a platformer in, an, in its own right. But it has a totally different set of priorities than games like Sonic and Mario and Crash and Rayman and all that has. Yeah, I feel like Jack and Daxter could have gotten a lot better with its platforming, but they decided to focus on shooting instead, which was like, it, it was a fair it direction, and it, it turned out well. Yeah. But like, I don't I don't really feel like Jack 2 or 3 does anything particularly interesting with its platforming that wasn't already in Jack and Daxter Precursor Legacy, except for, sure. for maybe the stuff that you have to do with the hoverboard. Yeah, There's some really good hoverboard the, stuff, especially in Jack 2. Yeah. yeah. I feel like Jack and Dexter is such a fascinating series because they established themselves with this very cool but very simple formula, and then they just started piling on these gimmicks. And generally speaking, when a game starts to rely too heavily on gimmicks, it falls apart. But Jack 2 and Jack 3 actually excelled with those things. Like, they got better because they added things like hoverboards and flying vehicles and gunplay and you know just the, the way that they expanded the world like the, the games actually were still really good after adding that where a lot of things can't do that sonic games for example when they get gimmicky they turn to garbage <laughs> like like the ones with the biggest gimmicks things like you know sonic unleashed turning you into a werehog <laughs> And Sonic and the Black Knight giving you a sword. Like, those are just... What? Those games are just a mess. In Sonic and the Black Knight, Sonic becomes... Well, the main villain is King Arthur, but Sonic also kind of just basically takes the role of King Arthur from the Legends. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Yeah, it's wild. Now, one Sonic game that was really gimmicky, but I actually really enjoyed, was Sonic and the Secret Rings. It's a game I will never, ever go back to because I had positive experiences that I'm sure would not be the case today. But it was like a... it The levels functioned like almost Endless Runner style, but you still had like full control over left and right. You weren't just like switching lanes and stuff. And like it had some weirdly complex RPG elements layered in. But I actually really like was really into it at the time. It was like it was a Wii game and it was all motion controlled, but you know it actually handled well. Uh, like I said, I would certainly not want to go back because I'm sure it is not aged. You know, it is not aged well in the slightest. I'm sure it does not like, quote handle well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't like Secret Rings when I tried playing it. I I, I just really don't like any of the the modern ones quite as much. Like. Sonic Generations is alright, but I genuinely, I feel like it's just because it's kind of like a love letter to the things that I loved in Sonic. Yeah. Not so much because like any part of it was particularly good. Because I, mm. I don't think like the 3D, the 3D stuff since uh, it's like the boost formula or whatever they've called it that they've been using since I'm blanking on the one where you turn into Colors? a werehog. Oh, Unleashed. Oh, yeah, Unleashed. Like, it's kind of been a similar formula since then, and I don't think it's as good as, like, Sonic Adventure. I, yeah. I think it's, like, it's a lot more focused on going fast, but it's not quite as interesting to play. And, like, the 2D platforming parts in uh, Sonic Generations are not as good as, like, these games. The, the Sonic Origins games. <laughs> But it's enough of a love letter that it still kind of drew me in 
and I liked it enough to play through it a couple times. <laughs> I would like to see like a full scale remake of like the Sonic Adventure games, but I'm also almost confident they would not handle it well if they did make them. <laughs> so let let's just sort of, you know, summarize our experiences with, with Origins a little bit. For me, I really appreciate these games and I recognize that they're a pretty significant part of history, but I think I'm just going to have to spend a lot of time with them to really get it down pat to where I can really enjoy them. And I just don't know if right now I have it in me to give the games that amount of time when there are games I could just immediately jump into and be having a lot more fun with. But we, we will certainly see. Jackson, do you do you plan to go back? Uh, I might try to, but I doubt I'll get far. <laughs> Honesty is important. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, I, I know you're still sort of in the thick of these games. Are you planning on sticking with it? I mean, I'm rounding them out at this point. Um, I'm at like the very end of Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Um, I just need to... It's, it's basically just throwing boss after boss at me at this point. <laughs> so... Mm. Um, I just kind of need to finish up those. I I think I'm pretty close to done. I I do want to say, like, I think one difference between, like, the three of us is, like, as far as I know, I'm the only one that was planning on buying this before we decided to do a podcast episode on it. I definitely wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was sure I was going to pick it up at some point, but I wasn't necessarily planning on playing it right away or anything. I've just I've always been interested in the Sonic like 2D games. This is honest. This is the first time I've like really, you know, like as an adult, this is the first time I've sat down and played the original Sonic games. And um, I think for that, like Sonic Origins is a really good package. Um, it adds like a lot of quality of life stuff, like no lives or unlimited lives. I guess is a better way to say it. <laughs> and stuff like the drop dash from Sonic Mania, but. Anyway, what I was saying is like, I was really excited to play these games. Anyways, I've always wanted to play them, and I'm glad that I got the chance. <laughs> and I, I definitely really enjoyed my time with the first three so far. And I'm hoping that Sonic Three and Knuckles sticks the landing. <laughs> I am glad we went back and played these games prior to Sonic Frontiers because I think it's gonna be good. To try and remember what Sonic came from, because that game is looking like it's going to be a train wreck. <laughs> well, generally, so. the more like a train wreck a Sonic game looks like, the better it turns out. We'll see. <laughs> I make I I'm just saying that because I heard positive things about like you know Sonic 06 was really hyped up. That's I think fair. people were pretty excited for Sonic Forces, and those are the two worst Sonic games. Yeah. Honestly, I did enjoy I, I did enjoy like the parts playing as Sonic, uh, like the the modern Sonic in Sonic Origins, a lot more than I enjoyed playing as modern Sonic in Sonic Generation. Or sorry, I meant to say Sonic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh forces. no! Here we go again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least one third of that game was all right. <laughs> yeah. Plus, you got to dress up your character. You get to make your own Sonic character and then dress him up like Joker from Persona. So, really, the the peak of video games, if you ask me. I'm just saying, Sonic Frontiers is not going to let you dress up like Joker from Persona. So, yeah, we'll see which well, one people are still talking about in ten years. Well, that's already a lot of Sonic talk. So I think that means it's time to pull the plug. Jackson, what else have you been into? Look, it's never a surprise. There's a new season of Destiny. Of course, that's what I'm going to talk about. Um, By new, he means like we're halfway through one. Yeah, like uh, like <laughs> over a month through this one. Just haven't been able to talk about it yet. Um, this one's pretty good. Uh, I didn't really like the last one too much. I don't think I played it much after a month. Uh, this one, though is pretty good and that's mostly because of the solo 3.0 updates which are so fun uh because the seasonal content is just a-okay this time around but solar class got the the same treatment that void did and witch queen and it is real fun at least on hunters 
We got a new grenade that is better than the regular grenade, and we can use 10 times more than the regular grenade. And that that's really about it. It's really just that. Um. When you spent enough time with the game, changing how a grenade works really is a big deal. Yeah. Um, but no, there's there's some cool stuff. There, there's some, you know, of course, some new weapons, some returning weapons. A new dungeon came out. I have not been able to play it yet. Uh, but it's it's there whenever I find two other people to play it with. Um, hey, we're two other people. <laughs> hey. Yeah. I, I do plan to give this season a shot at some point. I have just been playing a lot of other games, and I think I would really only need, like, a couple of weeks to get through all the content that's actually in it. I think really the only reason I've played so much of this season so far is just I haven't been playing anything else. Like, there hasn't really been anything else I've wanted to play since I finished Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> like, I've, mm. I've played some of Sonic, of course. I wish you had told me that the new season had started in Destiny. <laughs> like, I've been, um, I've been kind of waiting for it. I didn't know. I didn't get any kind of notification. I didn't know I was supposed to tell <laughs> you. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I've yeah. been waiting because, I mean, the problem with the, the seasons is, like, They'll throw in a couple of story events at the very beginning, or like the first five weeks or so, yeah. and then do, you're just kind of And then the rest done. of it's just do whatever you want. Yeah. And I um, don't like the do whatever you want part. Me either. I don't play I like, much once I like it when that. it tells me what to do. Yeah. That, that's because like I like a lot of the new season model because there's more overarching story throughout the year instead of just a big story dump like in September every year. <laughs> um... You still get that too, but there's stuff leading up to it now. But those like last month and a half of every season when all the story stuff that season is done, very boring. It is weird they do story stuff every week for the first like month and a half instead of doing like new story stuff every two weeks for like the whole season yeah. or something. Like it is so. it is still definitely better than the old times, like the year between uh Taken King and Rise of Iron in the first Destiny when there was just no new content. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, that was when you don't play Destiny. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> duh. They built in time just for it. <laughs> yeah, they told you to go take a break. Back then, they were aware of what they were making and knew that people needed to step away sometimes. <laughs> now they're now they're mad with power. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, new season, pretty good so far. Definitely recommend it. Jason, what have you been into? Well, I've been getting a jump on at least what we've been talking about doing for the next episode, and that's Hitman. The trilogy was on Game Pass, and I was like, if I get my brothers to say they'll do an episode on it, then I can play it as much as I want without having to worry about it. Were you worried about it? I wasn't worried about it, but you know, I didn't want to have to play like a different game. Yeah, I gotcha. So, you know, I've been playing through the trilogy, um... I'm most of the way through Hitman 1 at this point, or the Hitman 1 levels, and I've been going out of my way to do just about everything in the levels, or not like everything, but at least to get like the mastery rank. Every level, or every, I guess, destination levels up, depending on like what you do in a given run, uh, and I've just been working on getting all the areas up to the max mastery rank. Um and that's been really fun because I think Hitman really hits on a lot of the things that I like in a game of like exploration and trying interesting or just trying things to see how they work out. And the whole game is just built for that. Yeah, I feel like that's something that's always I've never played any of them, but that's something that's always interested me about them. Because like with like Assassin's Creed, you know, another big popular stealth series. For the most part, there really is just one way to do things. And after playing that series for years, it gets pretty boring. So something like Hitman is a lot more interesting. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've definitely been really enjoying it. I'm excited to talk about it in a couple weeks. Um, good game. Good game. <laughs> I would have already been playing it, but for some reason I've had a lot of issues trying to get it installed on my PC. And I, I'm about to just give up and get it installed on my Xbox instead. <sighs> uh, Jordan, what? What, 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 what have you been up to? Okay, so I have been playing, 
wow, I'm blanking on what the full title of the game is. Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes. <laughs> uh, it is a Musou game that is like an alternate history or alternate story timeline or whatever for the game Fire Emblem Three Houses. And this is a weird one because I feel like Musou games and tactics RPGs already both have sort of niche audiences. And then like the overlap feels like it should be a very, very small group of people, but it's sort of right up my alley. Like as someone that absolutely adored Fire Emblem Three Houses, I mean, I beat the game three times as each of the three houses. And then as someone who really, really, really liked Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity, like way more than the average person did i knew this one was going to be like custom made for me and i've i have really really enjoyed it so far i'm like 40 hours in i'm at the end of my first playthrough the first of the three houses and it actually does a lot of stuff better than fire emblem three houses did it still gives you a ton of ways to engage with the world and the characters both on and off the battlefield but it's more streamlined this time around. Like you can just click a couple of buttons and kind of teleport to whoever and wherever and to talk to them about, you know, to, to strengthen your bond with them or to give them gifts or to invite them on expeditions or whatever. Like you still have all the ways you can engage with the characters like you could in Fire Emblem Three Houses, but it's just much faster. And it's much, you have, a, there is not as much of a setback for not engaging with certain systems like there was in Three Houses. Three Houses was an excellent game, but there just there was so much downtime, and this game just doesn't have that. I would say it's still not going to connect with anyone that doesn't already kind of enjoy the Musou games, and it's definitely not going to hit as hard for people that haven't played a lot of Fire Emblem Three Houses. But like for me, this was like the perfect game for right now. <laughs> like it's it's big, and there's a ton of stuff to do in it, and it just it feels like you're making a lot of progress as you go in the game, which is like one of the main things I look for in RPGs. So if you liked Fire Emblem Three Houses and you've liked any of the Musou games, then definitely jump on it. If you have any aversion to either of those two things, you should probably hold off because it's not going to reinvent anything around either of those. I re-downloaded Three Houses a few weeks ago, and I've, I've been playing through it a little bit on my Switch. Good time, good time. I never really clicked with the Fire Emblem series until Three Houses. I played a good bit of Awakening, but I never finished it. And then I tried Fates and just I just it wasn't for me at all. But Three Houses was really cool because it gave you the tools to be good at the game even if you're not especially good at strategy games. And it also like a lot of games I don't like when they have like that slice of life side, but Three Houses, much like Persona 5, which is one of my favorite games of all time, the slice of life stuff is so integrated into the regular RPG stuff that it feels like a natural extension instead of like a distraction. And I think that was what really carried me through Three Houses. Like I was much more invested in the characters and like my teammates than I was in the overarching narrative. And this game captures that ability to get invested in the characters, but actually has a much better overarching story as well. Like this game has a much bigger emphasis on like you are conquering parts of the map as you go and you are learning about like the lords that control those parts of the the country and like what they're you know, what their advantage is and what, you know, what resources they have and, you know, who the important players are. And, like, Three Houses would just throw that stuff at you with no, like, background information at all. It would just be like, you'd just be having, like, a normal conversation where the characters would be like, ah, that's Lord Iger of this continent and he controls this castle, which is the biggest thing within this part of the kingdom. And, like, they would just throw so much information at you. Where in this game, you actually go to those places and meet those characters on their terms which is very, very cool. Yeah, I didn't... That was something I didn't like about Three Houses as well. Is like It did feel like a lot of the time important information was just kind of dumped on you. And, I yeah. mean, like, not necessarily important, but at least, like, semi-important. Right. If you really wanted to understand the nuances of the game, 
you had to pay a ton of attention to just like one conversation that would just lay out all this stuff and then it yeah. wouldn't really get touched on again. And it was a lot more memorable the few times where you would actually like get sent on a mission and meet that person. This game has a lot of really cool ideas to sort of make the world feel more like an extended world and less like a series of just battlefields that are plotting a map like the first game kind of did. I'll probably so. pick it up on sale whenever whenever I finish up with Three Houses, which uh, based on my current timeline is going to be 30 years from now. <laughs> yeah. It's been five years and I haven't beaten my first playthrough. I, I loaded back up three houses like several months ago just to see, and I have 108 hours in that game. So like, if you're trying to beat the game like with all three houses and do like, there's one house that has like an alternate timeline type or like an alternate, I don't even know how to describe it. One house can go two directions. Like to do all of that takes a long time. Um, even just beating it once with like a regular playthrough still took me like 50 hours. Yeah, <laughs> so I was going to start the side story. I looked it up. I, I was like, well, when can I play the DLC? Because I don't want it to spoil too much. And yeah. It was like, it spoils a little bit of this chapter and this chapter. And I was like, okay, I played one of those chapters and I played uh, the other chapter several years ago. So not too big a spoiler, at least. <laughs> yeah. Did you play the DLC? But I did not. No. Uh, I, this was another instance sort of like with Final Fantasy VII R where I played the game like religiously when it came out, so much so that when the DLC rolled around, I was still kind of burnt out on it. <laughs> I, I never finished the DLC for 7R either. I've heard that the DLC for Three Houses is like exceptional. It's some of the best combat in the game, and it introduces some really cool characters. And I have really liked those characters in Three Hopes. They, they get sort of integrated into the existing houses um, in Three Hopes. And... I'm, I would definitely like to go back and play it now since it's been a while, but I still got a lot of three hopes to do. I mean, it's taken me, it's taken me, I'm right at 40 hours and I'm right at the end of the first playthrough. I'm sure the other two will go faster, but like, I still got a lot of game left. <laughs> and this is not a sequel to Three Houses. This is an alternate version of the events of Three Houses, much like Age of Calamity is not a sequel to Breath of the Wild. It is a retelling of Breath of the Wild. So it, it it's more like Final Fantasy Seven R, kind of. Right. Yeah. That it's closer to that than like a remake or a sequel or anything like that. I still figure I'll beat Three Houses first before I pick it up. Just yeah, I, I mean, I'm like, sure that there are some like spoilers. You know. I wouldn't necessarily say there are spoilers, but there are definitely moments that hit harder if you have played Three Houses. Like, for example, for me, the coolest parts of the game aren't when you're, like, reconnecting with characters that are already a part of your team. It's when you're, like, out battling, and it's just like, oh no, one of their commanders is showing up. And it cuts to the commander on the battlefield, and it's, like, Lawrence, or somebody. Like, someone that was part of your team in Three Houses, like that you already like know a lot about the character and you know who they are and like what their deal is. And like, that's a lot cooler than just like, I started with these characters cuts the house I picked. Like those moments are the best parts of the game in my opinion. So it's definitely better if you know a lot about three houses. So yeah, that was a lot of talk about a game that I wasn't really planning on talking about on the podcast, <laughs> but yeah, fire emblem, Fire Emblem Warriors, Three Hopes. It's good stuff for a very specific crowd. <laughs> but I think that just about does it for another episode of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, there are a few ways you can do that. First, on Twitter, at TBMcast. On Instagram, at Totally Biased Media. You can send an email to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. Uh, on any of those three, you are welcome to send your own reviews for recent releases, suggestions for the show, what you think we should talk about, things we could do differently, you know, what you like, what you dislike. We want to hear it all. And we are streaming at least once every other week on twitch.tv slash totallybiasedmedia. We're trying to up that in the near future, but for now, every other weekend. If you have suggestions for what we stream, we want to hear that as well. So, 
for the Totally Biased Media Podcast. I'm Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. And I'm Jackson Walkup. You just felt the bias. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>